I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Zone Time, everybody. I'm Julian McKenzie. Uh, we have ourselves a great cast today, including myself. Uh, Avery Lewis McDougal is here. Arun Srinivasan is tapping in. Nick Ashburn here. First show of the new year. Good to see you, buddy. Thanks. It's good to be here on a chaotic week for Alberta. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a chaotic time to be in the province Alberta, in Alberta. Let's let's actually start there. We don't have to get to my team in the in Calgary right away. We can get to Avery's team in Edmonton because, uh, yeah, some really interesting stuff going on over there with Jay Woodcroft uh, fired as Edmonton Oilers head coach. They lose to San Jose earlier this week. I know a lot of people were hoping for chaos. It happened. That's probably what led him to him losing his job. Then he still gets to coach one more game, a win over Seattle, and he loses his job. And then Chris Knobloch takes his place. Uh, Avery, since you're, you got your feet on the ground in Edmonton, I mean, I know you're in Toronto this weekend, uh, but uh, you you know what's going on with the Oilers. What do you think of Jay Woodcroft losing his job? Why are we at this point? Tell us everything you know. So I will say that the decision to fire Woodcroft did come after San Jose. He was, that was confirmed. Decision to fire after San Jose. It was more of a courtesy. Let him finish a road trip out, coach Seattle, and then let him come back home and um, pack things up. But my thing is that Jay Woodcroft was here for two and a half years, and this team was good. This team made it to a conference final. This team got to the second round. So I was surprised this team wouldn't give, give him some grace and let him turn things around this year. I felt the firing was, I was a Woodcroft guy, I felt that was a bit early to fire in November when they're still on the runway to get back into a playoff spot in the Western Conference. And what I really don't like is that, yet again, it's the Oilers here saying, that don't get me wrong, were there things they could have improved upon? Absolutely, of course. But it comes across once again as the Oilers trying to say, look, we fire the coach? Oh, sick. Here's the new solution. When time and time again, you look at this hockey club, and I think the issues go higher than just simply bringing in a new head coach now in Chris Knobloch. The common denominator still has been, for quite some time, struggles at GM, be it from Pierre Shirelli to now Ken Holland. Ken Holland is still here, and Ken Holland has not done that good of a job at Edmonton. Quite frankly, he's done a terrible job for the most part. He's made a couple of good deals, sure. Zach Hyman, Matthias Ekholm. But in large part, Ken Holland has been a failure as Oilers GM, and he's still here. And in my part, like, I know it's his last year as GM with his contract, but the bigger issue has been Ken Holland more than Jay Woodcroft. Job as GM, I mean, 
still a couple years ago got his team in the conference final. I mean, I mean, would you say terrible is the right word to use? Why terrible? Because with Carmen David and Leon Dreisel are on this team, there should be no years of playoffs missed. There should be no years of struggling to get in. And you should be able to construct a team around them that can contend every single year. There should be no step backwards when you guys on, on your roster. It's your job to build a team around these guys that should be contending for a president's trophy, contending for Stanley Cups every single year. There should be no doubt about where they're going to finish. If there's doubt, your job isn't good enough. Okay, we're bringing the heat to start. Nick, I want to tap you in on this. Let's open this up to everybody here and try to have a discussion about this. What do y'all think of what Avery just said and, and the fact that Jay Woodcroft has to be the guy to fall for so many issues that have plagued the Edmonton Oilers team to start the year? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm glad that Avery went back on the diplomatic statement that he was not a good GM and went far enough to say that he'd been terrible, because I think that's right. Like you look down the contracts that this guy's assigned is consistently above market value. He really locked in a roster too, like long term deals, no movement clauses like he committed to a specific group and that group hasn't been good enough. And in the context of having two skaters in McDavid in Drysaddle that are, you know, arguably top five guys in the league, like you better have a championship contender every single year. You haven't done your job in terms of Woodcroft. I get it in a sense because they're running out of time. Like they're, they're beginning to the season is so bad that they're running out of time, even in terms of making a push to the playoffs. So I get the, the impulse to do something, but there's so many things that you can't lay at Woodcroft's feet. Like the goaltending has been horrendous. It's a classic show me a good coach, I'll show you a good goalie situation. You know, McDavid has been banged up. He hasn't given them what he would typically give them. So on one hand, this is sort of the the life that coaches lead where sometimes I get a disproportionate amount of the blame and this is the sort of thing that can happen. And so I get it. But a lot of the underlying numbers with the team are good. And a lot of this comes to goaltending. So if I'm Woodcroft, I do feel pretty hard done by it because it's hard to say he did a brutal job with this team. I mean, yeah, I generally tend to agree with what Avery and Nick said. Um, as it relates to Woodcroft, I'm probably not as on him as Avery and Nick are. I mean, it's not like he was really this terrible tactician, but I also do think there's something to be said for being um, sort of the strong leader. I do think that Jay Woodcroft is probably better suited for a younger roster where this, like we talked about DJ Smith, and I might have been wrong about that, but it seems like this Edmonton roster is outgrown. Uh, Jay Woodcroft would agree. I do like the idea of, look, Conor McDavid came out today and said that he had no idea that Chris Knobloch was getting hired. We're not necessarily going to call McDavid a liar. We have no reason to do so. But come on, man. Like, the optics of it look like you've got your guy now. So, McDavid's junior coach is in. I mean, Chris Knobloch's a year and a half younger than Jay Woodcroft. So, those guys are similarly, like, aged, um, you know, in the same timeline there. So, I do sort of like the idea that, look, McDavid has his guy now, and now there are no more excuses. This is the point of no return. Like, I do like the idea that it's a first-time head coach as well. I think just it wouldn't really played well if Edmonton went down the recycling market, right? Like, it would just be like, well, we've got, like, you know, hockey man. We tried the Jay Wilcroft route. Now McDavid has his guy. So I think there are just no more excuses anymore. But, yeah, I mean, the goaltending has been poor. The shot creation numbers have generally been pretty good. I will lightly push back on the Ken Holland just because, like, I do think that Zach Hyman signing has played out better than anyone's ever expected. I mean, he's first in individual expected goals at 5-on-5 five five this year. Um, so he may very well be the best shot creator in the league, um, to some degree, but yeah, I mean, the roster, it's on a curve, right? Like, as you guys said, if, if not all of this is in a vacuum, if you have two top five players in the league, the expectations are much higher than your average team and Jay Wilcroft didn't deliver. Um, 
he seems like a nice guy, but I do think that the Oilers need a little bit of a more firmer push beyond the bench, and maybe Chris Knobloch delivers it. I don't like, and and again, Avery, you can hop in and, and add more context. I don't like that Paul and, and Jeff Jackson, Connor McDavid's former agent, now turned CEO of Hockey Operations, they had this little thing during the press conference where it seemed as if one person saying that players were consulted and someone else is saying that they weren't consulted. And then you see Connor McDavid after the fact saying, Hey, like I, I woke up, woke up to this news and, and figured it out just like everyone else. I mean, everyone seems to be taking that side and saying that he's not lying. Isn't that bad? Like you have your guy in the front office and he doesn't tell you that this is happening. Isn't this just that, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem like that's, that's good. It just, makes it look even more of a mess. We're talking about optics here. You mentioned, opt- you mentioned optics, Arun. That doesn't look like an organization that has everything put together. And where it could easily be interpreted as, oh, well, connor has got his guy, and the pressure's going to be on him, and you can start making comparisons to uh, a certain NBA player who may exercise his power to get his way, precisely which it. I don't like, think is yeah. wrong. That's precisely it. I mean, how, how else could it be interpreted optically? That it absolutely should be interpreted that way. And I mean, LeBron James, for those who haven't caught on, but like instead, it just looks like this team just found a way to pull a 180 without Connor. But also, like, you mean to tell me you had no idea that a coach that you have a relationship with was going to come in? Like, I, I mean, that's such an interesting thing for me. I mean, Avery, again, if you have more context for this, please add it. But like, that doesn't make sense to me the way the Edmonton Oilers went about it, where it seemed like Ken Holland was trying to say one thing and Jeff Jackson's going at another way. How could the players not be consulted on this? That doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah, no, I, I heard that. And there's a part of me that just seems very skeptical that a, a player or two like Connor Leon had no idea that I just, of course, it seemed, again, it, it seemed weird that they had, it, obviously they had no input, but that there was no level of, even, even just passing knowledge it might happen. But that whole presser involving Holland and uh, and Jeff Jackson, to me, I rewatched it and it just looked like a full on. It looked like mayhem again with Holland saying one thing, Jackson saying another thing, and then Paul Coffey straight up admitting that he didn't want to be a coach and he will be a coach on the bench of the Oilers team with Chris Knobloch <laughs> while he's still a special advisor to Daryl Cates. The whole situation is probably one of the most absurd absurd ones in all of hockey. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense to me. And they're not doing this on a team with, with a bunch of young players and everyone's <laughs> trying to get themselves in order and maybe he'll be a contender in four or five years. You know what we're going to talk about next summer? 2024? is going to resign with this team. You know what we're going to talk about in 2025? What's Connor McDavid's future? Like, it's they need to get their act together. That's as best as I could say with the Edmonton Oilers. They they need to get their act together. If anyone else wants to wrap this up and say something, please add that. But like that's my that's my two cents on this. I think they're bending over backwards to try and make it seem like Connor David hasn't ex- exerted his power to to handpick his head coach because they think that that's a bad look. And arguably, it is a bad look. But there's hard power. I don't think it power. is. You don't think it is? I don't know. No. I mean, it's it's definitely uncommon in the NHL, right? Like, it's we don't see this very often where a star player is essentially saying, this is my guy, this is my coach. Whether that's right or wrong, whether it should be more like the NBA, that has the history isn't really there for that. And so I think that they're reluctant to make that seem like that's what happened. 
but it's his junior coach. It's a guy who has a pretty thin resume outside of doing that. So like the fact that he's McDavid's coach is why he has this job. Like if there's another open job, this is not the guy other teams are going to pick, right? Like he is specific to the situation. That's unavoidable. And so like, it almost doesn't matter. Like did Connor McDavid go to them and say, this is the guy I want, or is the fact they're terrified of Connor McDavid and him being unhappy and him leaving being the motivation for doing this, even if he didn't explicitly ask. Either way, it's Connor McDavid's power. It's just a different route to the end result. I can't speak to Chris Knobloch's credentials. I can't speak to his resume. There are people who have committed him for the job that he's been able to do in the Rangers organization with the AHL. But for me, and maybe it is because I'm used to seeing this in the NBA, how do you not give Connor McDavid, and even Leon Dreisaitl to this effect, how do you not give those two players some measure of power in your organization. I'm not saying you give them full-on authority where they're able to be GMs and they're able to just make trades out of nowhere and run the salary cap, but I don't understand how you have a situation you are in right now where it is, you know, what, DEFCON 1? I tried to make DEFCON 5 references last week and people were like, no, it's actually the other way. You are in a situation, it's very dire. You need to win games. You need to figure out a way to have your two superstar players stay in the fold long-term and keep whatever window you have open to winning a Stanley Cup. How do you not consult those two players in order to get to that point? I don't think it's wrong. I don't think if if if, if people think it's bad optics for for them to have a say in something like this or full on handpick their guy. I disagree with that. I I think if you're the Edmonton Oilers and you look at that situation, that's what you have to do. You have to at least give them some say if you want to give them any hope of staying and not ruining the last few years of your franchise or having everything be all for nothing. That's how I see it. Like that's, that's just really bizarre that it just comes across the way that it came across. And the Oilers who were already a mess look even more like a mess. It's just one week we were talking about the Ottawa senators being a mess. And now it's the Edmonton Oilers who get to sit in the seat. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I agree with you. If I were running the team, I would absolutely consult the players, but clearly the organization does not want the public to think that that's what they've done when it seems fairly likely that they have at some level. That's some, you're right. All right. Well, I think we had a good discussion on the Edmonton Oilers there. Uh, let's get to some other quick storylines uh, that have gone through the National Hockey League over the last few days. Uh, another uh, Alberta team, the Calgary Flames. Uh, maybe dealing with a trade request on their hands with uh, Nikita Zadorov, uh, a reported trade request going out over this weekend. Uh, his agent, Daniel Milstein, uh, going to Twitter to point out uh, his ice time, uh, not necessarily looking all that great. Uh, what did you guys think of uh, Nikita Zadorov? Uh, I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll throw it to, I think, like, who, which of you three would want to take this topic, actually, with Nikita Zadorov and the fact that uh, he may very well want out of the Calgary Flames. He didn't deny the trade request, mind you, sure. but uh, it sure seems like it's going to be the end of the road for him there. I'll take it, man. I mean, look, I mean, I think without playing too much inside baseball, the speed of it was really alarming, just like how fast the man came out. Um, you know, again, not to really break news that we are really supposed to tell, but there were several Angel insiders trying to see if the trade was going to happen at midnight last um Hell yeah, I was I was definitely I was definitely Julian waiting for was that. there. I was like we see. saw, we saw. I was trying to figure out what was going on. We almost saw a Nikita Zadorov trade get broken in real time, and then it, you know, discussions seemed to calm down. I don't down. know how close it was, mind you, but definitely. But like there were there were discussions certainly. Like yeah, they're trying to figure out like what's happening like after that news happens. Like one minute yeah. you're thinking, okay, it's just complaints about ice time. The next moment it is that. But also Nikita Zadorov is a pending UFA. Yeah, the route for him getting traded was probably was there anyway. 
people are just there's, wondering if this just accelerates the process. Yeah, like there's some validity to to that. I mean, I do think that Dan Milstein was trying to agitate the Flames as best as possible. I think Nikita Zdorov, I mean, I didn't really look at his underlying numbers from that game, but he had a splash play and that huge open ice hit. He landed on Tyler Bertuzzi, and I think that mm-hmm. it brought some attention and maybe sort of stimulated the idea that a team like the Leafs or a team like the New Jersey Devils maybe need that sort of guy who can hit in the open ice and bring physicality with um, some secondary scoring. He's an intriguing player, and I think any team that pursues him, they're sort of looking at it. Like the free agency stuff, I, I don't think it really matters that much. If you're pursuing him, you have the right to first refusal, essentially, and probably are going to sign him to a long-term deal rather than a rental. Um, Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense to do a number of teams. I mean, it's rare to get a guy with his sort of like skill set and physicality and a guy who plays with physicality without sort of sacrificing defensive positioning, I think. Um, so he is a plus asset on a Flames team that seems to be sort of stuck. I mean, um, I think the common thinking around the Flames is that they probably have overvalued their core a little bit relative to the rest of the league. Um, and now is the time to make some some changes. Uh, Dan Milstein, he also represents a ton of other Russian players. He seemingly has a great relationship with Julian Breezebois, so not to speculate, but I think uh, the Lightning could get in the mix too. Interesting. Even with their salary cap issues. I mean, they don't necessarily have the most space in it. Salary cap's overrated, man. I know it's a real part <laughs> of the NHL, but it's like make moves first, figure out the cap later. Yo, salary cap is overrated. Put that on a T-shirt. Yeah. Put okay. that on a T-shirt. I, I think you just came up with a really brilliant idea, and I think you need to run to a trademark office as soon as this recording is over. Arun. Love that. Let's do it, man. I mean, between soft power and uh, DEFCON 1, we're going to be doing our next show from the United Nations building. So, Oh, my God. I don't know yeah. if we can start thinking that far. Uh, yeah. Avery, uh-huh. next one for you. Yeah. Uh, Connor Bedard, big weekend in Florida, four-point game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, gets himself a sweet goal against uh, Florida on Sunday. I'm sure you saw that that sexy goal from Connor Bedard. What have you made of that big weekend? Is it, it's it's not too early to start calling him elite. We're at that point already, right? Yeah, we are now. We've seen enough of him now with NHLers. Remember, before before the season began, I was saying Kemp Whitmer he hasn't played with NHL players yet, but now, oh yeah, you can put him in that category now. He's shown he can hang. He's shown he can he can produce, and I really feel that again, he's going to be the front runner. For that Calder, I feel it's gonna be it's gonna be between him and Logan Cooley for that Calder. Sleep on uh, Pavel Mitykov for that uh, honor as well. Uh, another, qu- yeah, he didn't get past uh, one thing on Bedard. I not, I just, I feel like I yeah, have go ahead. Like watching players like in person this year has been awesome, and there's a few guys who sort of stand out for like different things. Like Drew Doughty had this game against the Leafs where he was just flawless with his own exits. What stood out to me with Bedard, I mean, everyone knows about his shot, and I thought really that would be the thing that would clearly like stand out about him, and it does. But his resting speed is like something that stands out when you see him in person. Like he, he's obviously like not like Connor McDavid where he's like clearly like an untrained guy. I can see this guy is a phenom because he just his skating ability just stands out like that. But like. He, the way he thinks the game and like his resting speed is so noticeable out there because he's not really seemingly like moving that fast. And then he can just blow by people. So he can like his switch of pace, his ability to think the game, like that matters quite a bit. So like, that's what really stood out to me when I saw him in person. And then again, like I'd be remiss if I pointed out that like Chicago, aside from San Jose may have been like, they're like the second worst shot creation team in the league. And yet Bedard's shot creation numbers are elite. Like he is carrying that team. So yeah, I definitely think he counts as elite. Another thing with Bedard, too, is that there's a little bit of a ceiling that hasn't been unlocked because he hasn't done anything on the power play. Like, the Blackhawks power play hasn't 
it functioned. Like it just hasn't been a, a useful group. He just doesn't have good teammates. That's the fact of the matter. And so when, whether it's him getting more teammates or just that unit getting a little bit better, like we've seen what happens when a player can take that even strength production and then start, you know, banging in 15 power play goals a year or something like that. Like his numbers are going to look a lot different the moment that element is unlocked. Connor Bedard's elite, man. And I also love the celebration he did uh, in Florida, staring down that crowd. Like, that attitude i liked how he, he he kind of bossed up and made that move like that's a moment that people are just going to hang on to and say well, okay this is where like we are so comfortable calling him like a, a superstar at this point like that's kind of like a really early like star moment i know that it didn't the game doesn't necessarily work out for chicago in the end but like that moment the look the confidence even borderline arrogance if you want to go there like that is a really cool move to see from a kid who is eventually going to become the face of the league. And as the team tries to bring out more personalities, like they need stuff like that to take themselves to that next level. Like there's a lot in that one performance, particularly against Florida, that I think if you're a fan of Connor Bedard, like you, you got to run with it. Like I, I, I love it. I think it's great. And hopefully he continues to, to keep that going. But yeah, that race for that Calder, it might not become as much of a race as some people might have thought uh, when, uh, when Connor was kind of taking his time. Uh, one last thing I want to get to, uh, Nick, I want to ask you about William Nylander. Uh, he is off to a 15-game uh, season-opening point streak. Uh, he's in need of a new contract. It feels like the more he plays, the more that price goes up. I believe it was Fat Joe who said yesterday's price is not today's price. If you were at least GM, how much are you giving William Nylander? Like, what's 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 the money? What's What's the asking price? Oh, man. I mean, you're absolutely right in that they've bungled the situation by not locking him up before the season because like he is he's a different guy this year. He you know, he even took a step kind of two years ago where he kind of hit that 80 point threshold. And now like this is another step. I don't know where he ends up. But, you know, people were saying before that the Sebastian Aho contract was sort of the ceiling because, OK, this is a guy who's a first line center on a contending type of team. I'm not sure that's the ceiling anymore. I think that the Leafs kind of, you know, they need to sort of pay him what he asked for to it. You know, there's a negotiation that has to go on, but it's it's getting extremely high at this point. And if they do re-sign him, next year is going to be absolute cap jail for them because they'll have the last year of Tavares and Marner's contracts, the new Matthews contract kicking in, and a new Neil Ender contract potentially kicking in, and then a bunch of holes to fill on the roster. So I think that you bite that bullet because he's been such a special player and he showed you that this year, but next year could be sort of a half step back for the Leafs because they'd have an even harder time building a, a supporting cast than usual. And that's been, you know, it's been the problem for five, six years now, and it could get really ugly if they bring back Nylander, but he's been so good that you kind of think they should anyway. Yeah. Like I'm of the opinion that they double and triple down and get into cap jail though. I mean, cause even if you sign him to, I mean, I think he, the point maybe should be the John Tavares deal at seven, seven years, $11 million and just sign them and figure it out later. Because look, as long as you have one a contract, a, you have an elite player who is ascending under contract. And then B, if you need to trade a guy, you have that asset rather than him having to sort of walk for nothing. Right. So I do think it's in the least best interest just to get it done, figure it out later, you know, and figure out the ancillary pieces if they need to make a trade. I mean, is it sort of playing into the hand of 31 other fan base or saying like, here go the Leafs again, like overpaying their guys, Maybe not learning from the mistakes of Kyle Dubs there. Maybe. 
When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. But he just played himself into a position where it's like it would, short of signing Nylander, it's a failure by Brad, Brad Trevling. And whether he gets it done now or later. Look, I will say this, like, Everything William Nylander said on record is that he wants to stay with his team. Um, he what seemed, else is he supposed to say? Well, no, true, but I think even <laughs> I mean, look, I mean, not to really play pop psychology here, but I do think like even in training camp, he was like, guys, like, what have I told you anything other to the contrary? Like, my agent's handling it. I want to be here. You could he could very well ask for a trade if he wanted. Thirty-one teams are calling the Leafs if if he asks for a trade or asks, or he sort of even slightly indicates that he wants out. Um, yeah, I mean, I do think again, like this, this cap stuff again, with a player of his caliber is slightly overstated because you can use him as a tradable piece if need be. Um, but yeah, well, shoot, I lost sort of what I was going to say. Um, just get so excited by a guy who's had 15 points, at 15 points <laughs> maybe. Um, but shoot, it'll, it'll come back to me just, just, just in that. Yeah, William Nylander obviously like has played himself into a tremendous position here. Um, but he. Yeah, like everything he said on record is that he wants to be here. He should stay here. Oh, this is what it is. Okay, clearly, okay. it's to my point about the capping overrated. I'll just say this, like, figure it out later because I truthfully think it's the most boring lens to watch a – to evaluate a player. Like, are we going to have sort of play cap all just every single game that he plays in? I don't know. I feel like it's the least yeah, fun. Yeah, but way. you got it. We got salary cap, though, man. Be, like, you, no, you can't treat Willie D. Lander like you buying, like, a Gucci shoe at like with a credit card. Like, you got – you have money <laughs> on the books. As a as a journalist, are we supposed to play, like, defense, uh, play sort of general manager? We can. It's fun. But I think it's the most boring prism to watch a player who is playing out of his mind right now. I mean, that's one, one way to do it. I To your point, I, I understand that, like, you can't just look at players as just numbers and dollar signs. But, like, in this particular case, it's, a guy, look at it, I'll say. It, it's an interesting way to look at it. But this dude is in need of a contract. And every game he plays and every game that point streak goes up and every moment where he looks like a dominant player, that asking price goes up. He has every reason to ask for more money. Do you think Brad Trevelyan is going to feel bad if he has to pay him $12 million a year for seven years? Feel bad, he'll be all right. I'm, we're not talking about a man with no money. <laughs> Brad Trillivan will be fine, but it will Brad Trillivan will a, be more than fine. He's gonna be cool no matter what happens. Brad Trillivan is gonna be fine in life, but yeah, I think well, yeah. one 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 thing with that Arun mentioned in terms of like the Leafs making the same mistakes they've made in the past is that you know, not to be too much of a dubist apologist, but the reality is they signed those deals with the understanding that the cap would rise. Right. And because the cap didn't rise, it hamstrung them in a way they couldn't possibly predict. So doing something similar again under different circumstances, hopefully, you know, we don't have an event like the pandemic, 
doesn't it doesn't mean it's a bad thing to do just because it didn't work last time because it didn't work last time under these bizarre and extreme circumstances that were impossible to predict. Avery, if uh, Brad Tree Living signs uh, William Nylander to a favorable deal, are you yeah. bringing back the photo of him with the do rag? We we might have yeah. to. <laughs> we might need to give him. We might give him back the golden do rag. Nick, have you seen way? this photo? I have not, but it sounds like a treat. Okay, I don't know if there's a way to put it on there, but uh, I didn't do this. Someone did it, where they put a do rag on Brad Tree Living. The context of it, uh, Avery, can you present the context of that photo? Okay, the context was from our other podcast, Third Intermission. We had a GM of the Year award, and we gave it to Brad Living. The award was a golden do rag for Brad Living. <laughs> just Nick's face, just like, don't get <laughs> All right. I mean, All right. I guess Ken, Ken Holland's never getting the golden do rag. <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what Ken Holland's going to get. Anyway. Uh, we've gone through oh. the news and notes. There's a fun thing I want to do uh, in relation to this pat- this weekend's uh, Hockey Hall of Fame festivities. Uh, a great number of players entered the hall, entering the hall. Some among them, not going through all the names, but uh, Henrik Lundqvist among them, Carolyn Ouellette among them, uh, Mike Vernon among them as well, Ken Hitchcock as well, Pierre Turgeon as well on that list. Really good, really good class for the hall. Hmm. And one thing I wanted to do is I wanted to read off uh just a couple resumes of a few guys and i want you guys to tell me if they are hockey hall of famers or if they're not and then after that you could try to guess who these guys are so i'm just going to read some credentials for some of these guys and you tell me if it's a hockey hall of fame resume or not how's that sound that sound fun that sounds cool all right i'm getting getting thumbs up getting thumbs ups and nods from everybody let me read out this first one here uh, this person is a member of the Triple Gold Club. So for those who don't know, Stanley Cup, Olympic gold medal, world championship. However, this player only has, uh, at least in the NHL, 918 points. That's all they have in the NHL. They're a Triple Gold Club member, but they only have 918 points. Uh, I believe they were a six-round pick uh, late in the 90s. They won their gold medal like fairly recently, like 2018. But yeah, like they haven't reached a thousand points as an NHL player, but they are a member of the Triple Gold Club. Does this person sound like a hockey hall of famer to you? Unlikely. Like, and they'd have to have some kind of defensive value or like a disproportionate amount of playoff success, something like that. Like it is it is tough to make it if your primary thing is offense and you're under a thousand points. Okay. What about uh, Arun and Avery? What do you guys think? I would just say yes, and I would also try to say, like, if this person had an extensive career in the Russian League before playing in the NHL, like, that should certainly factor in. Whoa, 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 Russian <laughs> League. How do you know How do you know this person was in the Russian League? What What gave that away? Well, or the European League or any other league, I think, too. I mean, if they've had a career outside of the, the, the NHL, that should count. I do, I do strongly agree with Nick's point. Like, if they're on the ballot and their offense is almost seen as weak, like, where is the defensive value? And how good has the defensive value been? Avery, what's your answer? Uh, you know, almost a thousand points, and uh, I read a window. Triple Gold Club, like that value outside the NHL, it should matter because again, it isn't the NHL Hall of Fame; it's the Hockey Hall of Fame, not the NHL Hall of Fame. So that should value along with the points, the hardware internationally. So I'm gonna say yes. Okay, so Avery says yes. Nick says no. Arun, you say yes, right? Yes, yeah. 
Okay, well, we're talking about uh, three-time Selkie winner Pavel Datsyuk. Okay, I mean, that's, yeah, <laughs> that's a different that's a different ball game. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. pretty different. That's fair. All right, uh, let's get to this one. Uh, a thousand and twenty-nine points. So this person is a member of the thousand-point club. They have won a Stanley Cup and they have won an Olympic gold medal. Only four hundred and thirty goals. Is this person worthy of making the Hall of Fame? How impactful were they on the Stanley Cup winning team? Is is, is my criteria? I'm not asking this rhetorical question. I'm just that would be my criteria, really. Um, Part. I think there were other players on that team who we would remember for oh. their impact. They they for what it's worth, they had a pretty good playoff run with that team. They were almost a point a game with that team in the playoffs. But I think for that team, we there are other players, maybe one in particular whose impact we remember a lot more than that player. I'd also ask, like, are they one of those guys who stuck around forever? Because when you're talking about guys who played sort of 1,400 games or something like 50, like then 1,000 obviously means a lot less. So, okay, they, they played like for quite some time. They played for a couple different NHL teams. I'm not going to say what those teams are because that's probably going to give it away. They played 1,300, over 1,300 NHL games. I mean, that's pretty good. That's pretty good for that player. I mean, it's great career. Great, great career. Great career. career. It's the Hall of Fame, but not the Hall of Very Good. Oh, yeah. So you, I'd say Hall of Very Good. Yeah. If they're not, if they're well below point of game, offense is their main thing, and they weren't really the top or one of the very top players on the Stanley Cup team they won, I think that's a little bit tough. I mean, they, in all fairness to them, like that was. I guess I don't know if that would count as like their breakout year, but the fact that they did have a pretty good playoff campaign, uh, it's still pretty good. But to your point, fine, I can understand. Is everyone saying no to this? Everyone saying no to this resume? Uh, it seems I'm like one, no. I'm leaning no. It seems like once you play over a thousand games, you're near that mark of being a Hall of Famer. It seems like there's there's certain bit there are certain uh, markers where you get Hall of Fame consideration, like 500 goals. A thousand points or a thousand games, you're in consideration for the Hall of Fame. But judging by the impact, which isn't that great, uh, I'm going to say no. I've said it one playoff. Okay, so Nick, you're also saying no to this too, right? Yes, sir. All right, uh, you guys have just said no to Alex Kovalev. Yes, quite remember right. Alex Kovalev? Sure do. Yeah, Alex. Alex fair. I think yeah. like there was like during his playing career, he sort of had a reputation and I don't know how much this is fair or not, but it's worth mentioning that a lot of guys refer to him as like arguably the most talented guy they've ever played with. And like yes. there, there, there was like an urban like myth sort of that was like, if you see this guy in practice, he will do things like you've never seen before, but it doesn't always translate to game situations. Like I'm not trying to do any character assassination, but then when you mentioned Alex Kovalev, like, yeah, like I think he's a hollow, very good guy. Like his skills were outstanding but they would show up in bunches. Um, so yeah. And then on the 94 Rangers, like he's like the eighth guy I think of. So I don't think anyone's building a Stanley cup team around Alex Kovalev. They're not like, right. we've got Alex Kovalev. <laughs> now we're a contender. Like the, very, very, very good player, top yeah. line talent. Like again, like very impactful at times, but not the type of guy that you build that team around. Yeah, the 94 will... Rangers are loaded. So, like, Brian Leach, Mark Messier, like, so many other guys stand out before you think of Alex Kovalev. I, I will say this, sure. If he got to the 500, if he got to the 500 gold mark, he gets in. I think he gets the 500 goals. He's a Hall of Famer. 
you guys all sound like people who did not purchase his DVD, Alex Kovalev, My Training Methods. <laughs> that's the practice of him referring to. Like, yeah, like that's what I'm yes. saying. Like, apparently, like, his like, mixtape was just like out of this world. So, yeah. We I'll say it. this as someone who grew up in Montreal and, and saw him in those Canadians' years, like, there was a very long stretch of time where, when I was still like a fan of the Canadians, he was like the most talented Canadians player I had ever seen. Oh, yeah. Which, which I mean, he's a really talented player, but it's a long way gone from those Stanley Cup winning teams of the seventies and whatnot. Like it was, it was a very different time to see Alex Kovalev as a member of the Montreal Canadiens. Anyway, one last one for you guys. This person, Vezina Trophy winner, four-time All Star, Olympic silver medalist, tied for twenty twentieth in wins all time. With fellow, well, not fellow, because uh, we don't know if this person is or not, according to you guys. We'll see. Tom Barrasso, this person and Tom Barrasso, equal on wins. This person also has eight more wins than Carey Price. Is that a Hockey Hall of Fame resume? It's a veteran's committee. It's a veteran's So hard with goalies, right? Because you could give me the highlights of a goalie's career and then they can absolutely have, like, think of Sergei Bobrovsky, right? Like, is he a Hall of Famer? Like, he has these incredible years and then he has these other years where he's literally not helping his team win. So, but he also has two residents. Yeah, that's boring to say, like, I don't know based on that resume, but I, I, I wouldn't have a strong yes or no on that based on the resume. Like, it's a hard, it's a hard maybe, (laughs) classic Uh, hard maybe. I did, I did agree with Nick, and actually, this might be where I'm out of my depth, Nick, but, like, using sort of the Baseball Hall of Fame criteria, like, this strikes me as a guy who would be, like, on the ballot for a few years, but wouldn't get, like, enough of the voting percentage to remain on the ballot. Yeah, I think there's a lot of guys, and again, it's, some of it is era-driven, right? Like, you have goalies who do well in eras where the puck's not going in as much in the same way in baseball. You got pitchers or hitters who put up these really impressive statistical seasons, but were never really considered the best. My guess is that this goalie we're talking about now is never considered the best goalie in the NHL other for an amount of time that matters. Like obviously as the one Vezina. Okay. What about you, Avery? Oh, again, this is a guy where it's, I feel like it's a goalie who's always in debate of between a hall of fame or hall of really good. I think this is a guy who you hear every year is just there, just misses the balance. But I'm going to say by accolades, I'm going to say, yes, this is a hall of fame or should be a hall of fame. Okay, so you think this person's all of Famer. I'll add this one other detail for you guys. Uh, this person, I think, was also a Vezina finalist four times. I don't know. That might, I think that might mm. include uh that might include the year he won. But uh yes, this person definitely was he was at a point where he was considered at least among the best. He might not have been the best, but he was definitely considered among the best for a time. That does a lot for me. Like half a decade of being a Vezina finalist, like that mm-hmm. sort of pushes yeah. me much closer to yes, because that's, yeah, like that's not the goalie volatility thing. That's the, I'm consistently one of the best. He's not Jim okay. Carrey. Yeah. He's not Jim Carrey. <laughs> Jim Carrey, the net detective? <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was a classic nickname for a goal. I don't know what's going yeah. uh, Any guesses as to who this is? Ooh, I don't know if you guys know who this is. I mean, you guys... Wait, what'd you say? Pekka Rene, isn't it? Pekka Rene. That is the answer. Pekka Rene. Wow. So he's like... Yeah, he he would be like a guy I would... Like, again, Pekka, if I ever meet you, I apologize, but you strike me as a guy who should get into the hall, but 
maybe in three decades. De- three that decades? Long? <laughs> Damn. No, you not that long. That long. He's going to be an old what? man when he gets into the no, hall. Yeah, again, I'm not, I'm not saying this would be cruel, but like the hall Why has a good backlog, and I'm sort of factoring into guys who might be first battle hall of famers like immediately. So, yeah, I don't know. Nah. He'll he'll be in within ten years, ten years max for Pecorino. Man, shout out Pecorino, man, thirty years. <laughs> this is not to denigrate like one of the best goalies. Like <laughs> you gotta do but... a bid before he get it to get it to like, again, like, fame. Like, what is football numbers? It's not like a Henrik Lundqvist case for me, where it's like this guy undoubtedly should be in the Hall as soon as <laughs> possible. So, I don't know. absolutely. Although well, that's here? well, no, it doesn't matter. We're just we're just we're just messing around with you. It's all good. I don't know. I think it should matter. Like, <laughs> there are a lot of women who are still backlog in the hall. They're still like, you know. Yes. That's true. Yes, that's a, that's a genuine concern that should, so like, like, like yes. why are we still at that point? Like, we still not inducted uh, Jennifer Bottero, Julie mm. Chu, Shan Zavanos. Mm. Like, what? they're still all waiting. Like, come on. Yeah, like, that's an obvious thing that has to be changed. I think, again, like, I think the Hall of Fame, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe, again, like, it, it's the culmination of a player's career, and we're talking about guys who've all been excellent at their, but at the end, like, I think, like, when there, you have to factor in players who are going to retire soon as well, will be like instant first ballot guys, like, ahead, you know, I don't, there are, to the rest of my knowledge, there aren't any limits, right, on class size? Uh, if, and if there remember. are, if there are, then that would sort of, be maybe one of the prohibiting factors but if there aren't then maybe that becomes a little bit of an easier discussion well in any case i mean you've already the statements are i think it might there. be 10 it might be 10 i don't it might be that but it seems like there is a there's a limit on on women being inducted yes, which is stupid is. it seems like yeah, that's it's... like the biggest limit that's the most notable limit but in any case you've already made your better rune uh pekka rene <laughs> won't see the hall of fame for another 30 years i can can i defend <laughs> pekka rene for a second i mean okay, i'm ahead. not I'm biased because like I really genuinely really liked watching Pekka Rene play, but he's also a guy who his career got started a little bit later. Like he's about 26 by the time he settled in as a full-time starter. And again, like you can't like give him credit for years that didn't happen, but it does feel like within the sort of condensed years that he literally played, like if you ran some kind of query on best goalies between 2008 and 2016, 17, something like that, or even a little later in his career, I think you would come up pretty surprised with how well he graded out and that those national teams were kind of good, but not great forever. And he could, if he had had some of those playoff runs, I think people would think of him a little bit differently. Again, I'm, Still maybe like I'm a final appearance. Maybe not, I'm yeah. pushing 10 years instead of 30 years, mm-hmm. like Arun, yeah. but like, I just do think he deserves a little bit of a defense. But if it, <laughs> if, it if it takes 30 years for him to get into the hall of fame, I want for the first time ever, uh, a hall of famer go on stage with some music. And I want to hear Akon. They, I want to hear locked, locked up. Don't let me out. Oh, come on, Arun, 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 Arun. Who gets it to? Who gets it to the Hockey Hall of Fame first? Yarmir Yager or Pekarina? Should be Yager, no cap, honestly, man. What are we talking about here? Yager. No, because like, he's gonna yeah, keep Yager, playing, man. He's got yeah, like another that's decade. That's, that's why he's still playing. <laughs> Minute Yager, what he's playing for Cladno this year. Like yeah, the, well, he yeah, has yeah, technically yeah. not played a game for them okay. yet, but if if he plays like one game this year, that just continues. The hall, like the hall, might even have to put one of their like waivers, like the Gretzky waiver for Yager. Like this is not a. They might not, but they might not a, do it though. He might. He might still have to wait the three years. This is a non-starter, Jules. 
Come on, the armor yager. No, here, here's the is, thing. Here's yeah. the thing. In a very, in a real world where he's just retired, absolutely, it's Yarmir Yager. I'm playing off the fact that he's still playing. But so, what, so basically, like retirement plus four is Yarmir Yager's math equation. Whereas Rene, it's more indefinite. But I think he's eligible as of next year because the last year he played was in 2021. Hey, look, if Pekka Rene ends up being a first ballot Hall of Famer, I'm not going to be, like, outraged about it. I mean, I just, I'm not, I'm not I, saying I, I, that. I'm just saying. He was an excellent goalie, but I just – I do think that we might be overlooking the scope of history is all I'm trying to say. Oh, no. And, look, no no, no shade. It's just funny that you specifically – just we're making fun of the fact that you said 30 years. <laughs> yeah, okay. Maybe, I don't know, 20 years. And who knows? Maybe some of us will be on the voting committee, too, by then. Let's, you know – I hope so. All aspirations aside. It was Diwali. I mean, I mean Avery there, keeps pulling but- – you know, Avery like, keeps pulling know. up to these events. I mean, they gotta get you something over there. Avery's, yeah, listen, Avery's gonna be on the selection committee in like three years, so like, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe Avery will get him in. So, you know, yo, right. this covering a dozen times, I bet it got on the committee eventually. I, I would think so, man. Especially they give you your own wing in the Hall of Fame too. <laughs> Anyways, uh, thanks so much for playing the game. Thanks so much for taking part on this week's edition of Zone Time. Arun, Avery, Nick Ashburn, thank you so much for tapping in. We'll be back uh, next week with a brand new episode. Uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and look out for our clips on YouTube and on the Yahoo Sports uh, Canada website as well. For everybody, I'm Julian. So long and peace. We'll see you next week. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 